Heat seeking Panther, Miles and Dave, talking about Nicholas Cage. God, oh, God forbid shit. I forget the Panther. Yes, roar. please. I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's like half the reason people tune in. I want to do one of these days like a special compilation of all the Panther roars, <laughs> where I just get like every like what? like every guest that has done a Panther. Roar oh yeah, 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 definitely. And, like, and make like a super cut of them. Definitely. Yeah, if I did it with these, it would just be the same. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, it'll effect. just be us. It'll be us stuttering. Be like, oh shit. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. we have to. Uh, three, two, one. Hold on. All right, longest countdown in history. Yep. Ready? You're entering the jungle. Three, two, the prehistoric one. jungle. <laughs> Welcome to Heat Seeking Panther. <laughs> I'm Miles. This is I'm Dave. Dave. I'm we have Miles. a special guest, Kristen Braverman. Thank you. Hi, Hi. Kristen. Thank you. Hi. So excited. Uh, I want you to know that you're the only friend I could find that was willing to watch and talk about the Croods. So I love this yeah. movie. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. So you just threw down a gauntlet. For, you love this movie. Yeah. I mean, I watched all the other types of movies like this and I'm really excited for the second one, but I love this movie. I've seen it at least three times fully and probably six times altogether. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, we were coming into this, this has been like, uh, this weird kind of albatross that has been hanging over the podcast because we sort of like in looking into the future of the movies that we were dreading, this was the what was like, oh, fuck, the DreamWorks caveman movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that like, to, I mean, I'm not plugged into the children's animation uh, movie circuit really, but it seemed like it just sort of like appeared and then disappeared, like didn't really have any cultural impact. So then I was like, oh, is there even anything worth why you know it just seemed like it was going to be shit and um i'm almost sad to report that it was kind of okay yeah yeah <laughs> it it's was, like actually by i would say probably it was the best animated nick cage movie we've yeah, watched so far oh, for sure. improbably um, and probably i mean like it actually held my interest it man which i was too. totally surprised by because most kids movies it's just like fart joke after fart joke right and then you're like, oh, I don't understand all these pop culture references because I'm yeah. not six. And uh, and then at the end of an hour and a half, you're like, I, well, I don't know what, why I watched that. Especially DreamWorks, which is just, in my opinion, just the fucking gutter of these movies. Like, this, if you'll remember, like... Pixar came onto the stage in the 90s real hot with like Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. And uh, everyone was like, these are not just for kids. These are for adults. These are great movies. And DreamWorks was like, let me introduce you to a little ogre named Shrek. And <laughs> it's like, and we all know the legacy of Shrek. That's like five movies. And then they did like Madagascar fucking quality. Uh, <laughs> uh, How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, great movies. Pretty okay. <laughs> it, it's nails on a chalkboard to me cause with the like, it, it, it feels to me like all like pop culture references. We'll and see, but we just named the only two good ones. Like there are <laughs> so many more that like I can't even recall. Well, that I've probably suck. seen them. What, what are they? They, <laughs> they have some other ones. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon, I remember being pretty good. Um, and uh, Shrek, I remembered. I don't. I mean, what can I fucking say about Shrek that the internet hasn't already said? <laughs> Matt, I was not a fan of Madagascar, but I'm questioning if I even saw that. I think I probably just assumed that it was bad. I don't know. 
Um, anyway, I like I was oh, ex- trolls. Tr- oh, trolls, trolls, trolls. I don't I haven't seen trolls. Did you but... see trolls, Braverman? <laughs> yes. How I was it? I've seen everything. <laughs> uh, it's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, they're all delightful. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I just have to defer to you. Uh, and Kung just... Fu Panda. I mean, Kung Fu one, Panda. Mm-hmm. Second one's garbage, but the first one, it's great. Okay. Anyway, the point being, like, the I was expecting, like. Uh, you know, they, so, yeah, someone was going to be like someone, like one of the cavemen was going to like teach me how to Dougie, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? And well, and it's even weirder when you're watching these movies many years removed because the pop culture references are, I mean, I don't think that that is a form of humor, but even if no. you do find that stuff funny, they're immediately outdated. Right. So when you watch a movie from in 2019, even from 2013, like if there were any pop culture references in this movie, I would just be like, what was that? Right. <laughs> and what was even going on in 2013? B, <laughs> B movie. That's, that was a good oh, one. Yeah. Uh, Which again, what can you say about that? that the, the internet, internet hasn't, hasn't already, already said. said. It's almost worrisome the amount of times I've seen that one. B movie. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I will say Seinfeld's charisma, I'm sure, can carry can carry sure. a, a project. I always used to want to see Jerry Seinfeld as a B and uh so that's, no, I'm kidding. That's not. Have true. you seen someone CGI'd the B into you know the the bits at the beginning of the Seinfeld episodes where he's like doing the stand up? <laughs> someone did like a smash cut of like they of they, they put the B in his place, doing like, telling it. the jokes. Yeah, that's <laughs> all I'm watching after. <laughs> so uh, this was actually pretty good, and and uh, I can give a little bit of context to this too, which is that DreamWorks was like. It was still kind of like the they they were making movies that were like making enough money to keep making a shit ton of movies, but they weren't like necessarily respected. And I think they were trying to like I don't know they they were still still and maybe still are kind of like fighting for uh, a respected place in the kids animation. Was twenty thirteen uh, already circuit. already in a post Minions world? No, this is pre-Minions, Okay, I believe. I feel like everything changed with Minions. I think so, too. The Minions, I think, they they were from some other uh, uh, Despicable house. me. Yeah, but yeah. Th- that's not DreamWorks. Oh, um, oh it's yeah. not? Oh, I, I thought mean, it, it seems was. like it would be. Oh, okay. So right before this, they made a movie called um, Rise of the Guardians, which <laughs> I, I know what you're... Have th- you seen that one? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, when I what's that one about? I'm just curious because the name sounds like it's a sick kung fu movie. Oh boy! (laughs) When I when I first heard that name, I thought it was the Zack Snyder movie about the legendary owls that uh, protect humanity by fighting other owls. But that's Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Uh, Wait, right. I didn't even know this movie existed. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder directed a CGI movie about owls that fight. Good lord. That okay. It, um, but Rise of the Guardians is about. Well, it's like a badass, tatted up Santa Claus, and like the best character is the Sandman, and it's the dream, the nightmare guy. There's like it's like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and Jack Frost all have to team up to fight uh, like yeah the boogeyman yeah, or the something. Boogeyman. Um, anyway, it was Dude, that's a bonkers. <laughs> like, what was that writer's room like? <laughs> <laughs> just, just lines of coke. Yeah. I want I want to imagine it was just like depraved. <laughs> okay, so the man in the moon, <laughs> the man in the moon. He actually he loves to fuck <laughs> and, and uh, he's. <laughs> but listen, then the tooth fairy yeah. is there. <laughs> She's crazy, man. Um, oh my god, no. she is. <laughs> Anyway, it did not 
it did not do well. And uh, the DreamWorks had laid off like, I don't want, I want to like 350,000 people or something. Some rid- no way. It, oh maybe, my God. It, some huge amount of people. And they just did like a complete reset. They were like, uh, we have to like shift things. And the Croods was the movie that they ended up kind of like, uh, that was the next one that they put out to try and write the the ship. And it did kind of, I mean, it, it was like pretty successful and pretty like critics were like, yeah, this is pretty okay. John Cleese oh, of all people really um, was so DreamWorks before doing um, doing mostly uh, computer stuff was also connected. They were at least distributing or doing something with Ardman Entertainment, yeah. Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run and, and those movies. So uh, John Cleese was working with one of the dudes who ended up doing this. What was his name? Uh, Kirk D'Amico. Um, to make uh, an Ardman adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Twits, which oh that would have been cool. that would have been I think yeah. really cool. Basically, they wrote a like a spec script for it, and uh, DreamWorks was like, "This is cool, but uh, I don't know. Do you want to look at some other scripts that we have and maybe do one of those instead?" And they ended up looking at this kind of like really basic idea for of two cavemen, like one who's like evolved and one who's not evolved. Uh, hanging out and they were like, yeah, we can do this. And so they started working on it together and um, what's his name? It's going to be a buddy comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was going to be a buddy comedy. And uh, then this other dude, I I can't find his name in notes, but oh, Chris Sanders um, got involved to basically like make, to, to make it like a the movie that it is now. And he did like the story for the Lion King, Aladdin, oh, okay. Beauty and the Beast, and then the screenplay for Mulan, Lilo and Stitch, and How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, so this dude has credentials. This guy has credentials. Yeah. He had done How to Train Your Dragon for DreamWorks, and they were like, this is our golden boy. And I think like what I saw, what I was most pleasantly surprised at that we were kind of like talking about with this movie is it feels like it has some of that, I want to say old school, but it's really just like 90s, but like old school like craft to of an animated the way that the story goes along the way that the characters are developed enough that they feel they feel developed even though most of them aren't really i mean there's really only like i feel like three characters that have uh, much depth to them but you still like it feels i don't know it it feels smarter and better than it could be well because you're actually there is actual like develop like plot and story and script development, which there isn't a lot of these kinds of movies. It's just like pratfalls and fart jokes and like just like scene after scene of you know like just like jokes on jokes and just like as yeah. like as much as we can keep the kids laughing as possible, like regardless of the rest of it. Yeah, and the story I I feel like the story isn't as like sort of perfectly tight and honed as like Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast. Although also those are based on stories that have literally been around for a hundred years that are like, and, and this is created whole cloth. So like like the other, the other weird thing about the way that the story mechanics of this work is that the actual villain or like the antagonist (laughs) of this movie is just continental drift. Right. Like there's not (laughs) like they're on a journey. So that I guess it has that aspect of like of, of, of a traditional story arc, 
but it's just weird because there's not really a bad guy. Like the, the struggle is with the earth. Right. And then also the struggle with like literal evolution. Yeah. Of like mankind. It's kind of heady subjects for it's, a kid's movie. It's heavy now too, because like climate change, because climate yeah. change and just every, I mean, I feel like that's just the, like, I've been reading uh, stuff about all the movies at con this year and it sounds like they're, it, it's all just like, you know, the world is ending. Like, yeah. how do you deal with that? And this felt very much like, it's like, Oh shit, the, the world is ending. How do you deal with that? Um, spoiler, you find a tropical place and just chill. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the sun. Yeah. Follow the sun. Yeah. That's what we got to do. Uh, Braverman, what was your, when, when did you see this for the, for the first time? Probably around the time it came out. Okay. Yeah. It was my going to sleep movie for a while, so that's why I've seen it so many times. Right. Oh, okay. Do you see it in theaters? I don't remember. I honestly, like, I want to say maybe. I feel like it would look really good in theaters. Yeah. Also, here's a weird piece of trivia. Um, it, 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 you know, I don't. If nothing else, that's what this plot is about. This I guess. Is their bread so. and butter. <laughs> this was the first film to be shown in 4DX, which. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> which includes strobe lights, tilting seats, blowing wind and fog, and odor effects. Oh, this movie actually would have been tight then because there was all those things constantly yeah. throughout the movie. What? It was in Hungary, right? I in think it, like, in Budapest. It was really exciting for me. Oh. <laughs> Half Hungarian. Oh, hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, you go, guys. Odor effects. That's crazy. What kind of smells were they pumping well, in Well, they this movie? do. So, like, it's a room where, like, every seat is, like, articulated like individually articulated right and they have a vent system so like part of being the projectionist in that house is they have like cue sheets where they have to time blowing scents like into the theater it's like old school smell of vision wow but, but with like newer technology what kind of sense like all sorts of stuff they have these weird I don't know. They're little like canisters of like scents, wasn't it? Yeah, it's they're like I I don't know actually even what they're made out of, but you like load them. They're like yeah, they're canisters. You like load them up in the tube, and then you like cue it, and then it just goes like and like puffs, like shoots the smell wow. out into the theater. It's really weird, and I wish more movies took advantage <laughs> of that sort of thing. I'm thinking of all the movies that we've watched yeah, for this. Ghost Rider, but, yeah, <laughs> just smell like sulfur. <laughs> 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 Port of Call, New Orleans. Everything just smells like sewage just and wet. Like, just wet and like <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you're in the middle of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, well, that's I didn't know anything about that. And uh, now, whenever you, you go in the future, as uh, all theaters will inevitably shift to 4DX technology, uh, we can thank the crudes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Did you also see what the, um, the working title was? Uh, oh. The awful working title, Crude Awakening. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. As puns, someone who so loves like, puns, that is so good. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't decide if I liked it more or not. Crude Awakening? <laughs> that's also like, that's going to go over so many kids' heads. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're not going to understand what that means. Well, yeah, I think that's the problem. As you see that, you're just like, what? And whereas the crudes, you're like, okay, it's just about those people. Dude, that's a good subtitle for the second movie, though. Like, yeah. Crude 2, Crude, Crude Awakening. Mm -hmm. That's their chance. Yeah. I'm actually like, I'm, I think this movie has the highest like ratio of 
how much I was dreading it based on what yeah. I was expecting and how much I actually enjoyed the experience of watching it. I li- I laughed out loud at a yeah. couple of times. I know. There was it actual was like jokes where I was like, oh, oh man. I was. Yeah. I, <laughs> you should be ashamed I was, dude, I was dude. ready to come in for like a hatchet job and now I, I don't even know what to do with it. They, my favorite stupid joke was... Uh, when the grandma is like, I was in love once. He was a hunter. I was a gatherer. It was quite a scandal. <laughs> and then she goes, we sent each other berries. We danced. Then my father smashed him with a rock and <laughs> traded me to your grandfather. <laughs> I was like, that's funny and informative because that's how shit was. Yeah, that's so crazy. But every she says that uh, really kind of like, Actually, traumatic, terrible story. And everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, grandma. granny, dude, granny's lived <laughs> lives you can't even imagine. They laughed, I laughed, and uh, everyone in Budapest laughed. Yeah. We loved it, especially the seats rumbled when she told that punchline. <laughs> yeah, he smashed my head with a rock and strobe stri- light. <laughs> the, the smell of blood just <laughs> floods the theater. <laughs> yeah also huge props to the design team yeah for for the the pretty much the design everything, of everything dude. i mean i i was kind of like i guess maybe even in comparison to everything else not that impressed with the design of the actual crudes themselves but they but, look like standard kind of dreamworks but all of the yeah. all of the backgrounds and and the environments and the animals and plants especially are like really imaginative yeah well they made somebody somewhere along the line made a crucial decision that like rather than try to make this like i you know i guess ice age which is you have woolly mammoth saber tooth tiger whatever and like they were just like no we're gonna make just come up with fake animals fake plants just every imaginary everything and it works like gangbusters dude it's so much more fun because it's like it's all it's like a sci-fi fantasy movie um, on top of a caveman movie. Wait, what's, what's the one with Natalie Portman that came out last year? Oh my God, the one where they're like traveling through the through like the crazy uh, like forest where the aliens oh, like taking um, over everything. Avatar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Avatar. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no. so, wait, annihilation. Well, oh yeah, yeah. yeah annihilation. Yes. Like this is like an annihilation situation. <laughs> you know, where to like end up in some like like crazy like tropical magical place right. where like the laws of nature and like animals don't apply. Yeah. This, so this was basically Ice Age meets Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome though. Like it's like legit. And again, I don't need to restate my like antipathy for uh, c- CGI period and like you know this kind of shit. But I was charmed man like the yeah. the design was cool my i liked there there's these like birds that travel in swarms and just like devour things like oh, piranhas piranhas they're oh, oh piranhas <laughs> i just love the name yeah that's really funny and it and for no reason like they have like pointed beaks but then they open the place where the nostrils should be. It's like, I don't know. Everything about it's like weird and inventive. There are these saber tooth tiger type things that probably have a name. They do. It's, uh, I should have taken note of it, but it's really like, I, I like the name. It's yeah. another like mix, like piranhas. Yeah. It's just, it's cute and it's cool. And, uh, that may, I mean, most of this movie is just, it's like a, a journey, a travel movie, which, um, if you do it right, is can be really fun and the storyline is is pretty like stock in terms of like you have a couple of like really basic like children's movies anxieties which is like you know the so the main lesson is that uh the nicholas cage um plays grug 
the uh, father of the the crude clan, and he he wants everybody to be his, he wants his family to stay safe and stay in their cave and not experience anything new. And uh, his, uh, he says multiple times to his children, "Never not be afraid." Right, right. It's like as if you fear, like as long as you have fear, you'll stay alive. Right. New things are are bad. The familiar is good, even if it's miserable. And uh, what the crudes dares to teach us is new things can be good sometimes. Right. But then there's also like there's his it's his relationship with his daughter, especially Eep, played by I love all the names in this <laughs> yeah, I do movie. Too. <laughs> really funny. Played by Emma Stone. Um and uh I don't know, letting her be independent, I guess. Yeah. And or at least letting her make the decision to hang out with Ryan Reynolds' character. Oh, also I didn't Guy. know. Guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah I know <laughs> the names. I didn't realize it was Ryan Reynolds until the end of the movie. Really? I saw the credits. I just like I recognized his voice. I just right. couldn't tell. He, you know, uh, this is a, kind of a stacked cast. Yeah, it's really stacked. Cloris Leachman Cloris is the Leachman. grandmother. <laughs> Clark Duke uh, plays the uh, brother, and Catherine Keener plays the mom, who kind of gets the short shift in terms of characterization, as yeah. often happens. She's the mom. Like That's about she it. Is, yeah. But uh, and then there's like a crazy wild thornberries ask like baby that's just feral and like chews on everything and like sandy barks and growls. Yeah, that was cute. All all the 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 lessons and whatever are like pretty pretty basic and standard, but they 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 keep it interesting by just early on in the film. uh, I mean, I guess we actually go through the plot, but most of the the plot is just them moving from one place to another, and uh, it's like a lot of montages. And uh, just cool shit happening to them, and different weird set pieces where they have to figure out how to get from this thing to that thing. And um, yeah, it's it's like fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it starts with uh, the it starts with this nice. They have to get breakfast. The crudes they have to get out of their cave and uh, go through this whole rigmarole of trying to steal an egg from this weird ostrich beast <laughs> thing. And uh, I mean, it's essentially the opening to Ice Age, where the that thing is trying to get the acorn. Yeah, but uh, but different and better kind of, and uh, and that's fun. And then there, and then Nick, the sun goes down, and Nick Cage is like. Okay, everybody, get back in the dark, and we have to stay there for three days or whatever. And um, but Emma Stone, Eep, she sees like some a light outside at night, and it's Ryan Reynolds. He has invented fire, and he's <laughs> chilling outside, and he's very handsome. Um, and uh, by, by cave people standards. Yeah, I think he's supposed to, I think they're supposed to be the Neanderthals and yeah, he's supposed to be like an evolved, yeah, like a homo that's, sapien. That's what I got too, which I thought like when I realized that pretty early on, I thought that was hilarious that it's like a, it's just, it's also just like a history lesson. Yeah. Sort of where it's like, oh, you know, the, the, they kind of truncated the history of like, uh, you know, Cro-Magnon. <laughs> like surpassing Neanderthals well, as like the dominant primate species. Well, I was reading, I, I like... I was trying to find some angle that was like funny on this film, <laughs> like looking through. And so I, as I've done before, I was looking through like Christian reviews, like Christian review dude, sites. Those, dude, <laughs> consistently for all of these movies, the Christian reviews are the best They're, because they have wildly differing opinions to what makes an acceptable kids movie than like anyone else in the world. It's funny <laughs> that even the, the Christian review sites were like pretty kind to this movie, even but though I'm sure, they, they yeah. still pointed out a bunch of stuff where I was like, you take offense to it. Like they pointed out that 
Ryan Reynolds' character doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> As if that's sexual somehow. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, you're really telling on yourself, dude. Yeah, like, like, just, if you just, like, loosen your corset a little bit, like, that, you won't even notice that. They they pointed out, they were like, you know, this, these fil- this film does seem to accept evolutionary yes. theory but it's not it's not too explicit about it and it like muddies it by having a homo sapien living with neanderthals but i that actually happened guys that's real history was that homo sapiens and neanderthals did exist yeah. at the same time and did have sex as you know that eep and guy went on to have sex <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, i mean you know when there's when, when you have such a limited pool to pull from Look. and, like, everyone could possibly die from I mean, anything at any given time. She does say, like, they're the only ones left. Like, every other family is dead now. Right. Yeah. That's why Nick Cage's character is so uh, overprotective because everybody else got eaten by different fantastic, beautiful animals. <laughs> But they don't say anything about all the fake non-species that exist. No, they're fine with that. Because it's like magical and fantastic. Yeah, because it doesn't push an evolutionary uh, perspective. That is wild to me that that is the thing that they would have. They'd be like, well, it does like imply that that evolution existed, <laughs> yeah. but it's not too explicit no, about it. it. We probably, I think they probably like that it, it keeps like a foot fo- solidly in fantasy. So uh, they, they do mention um, alcohol and drug use for the time where the sloth is shaking uh, containers like like he's in cocktail. <laughs> um, which again, it's just like kids, no child will make any connection to that. Yeah. It's nonsense. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what was I going to say? I don't know. Anyway, so then, then, then she finds Guy right. with, with fire. And then he basically like is, he explains to the family once he gets back to the cave. Yeah. And, and he's like, hey... The world is ending. Uh, we have to follow, follow the, sun, the sun. Basically, is what he says. Um, to go to th- go to this mountain that's yeah. over over that way. Probably. So, like, there's a crazy earthquake, and the whole like valley, the whole like co- desert collapses yeah. in on itself. Their and cave gets fucked yeah, up. They can't go and, back. And so now they're like, they basically have no choice but to travel forward toward this mountain in the distance. Uh, across uncharted and dangerous lands. But the other funny thing that I like the recurring joke where Cage is just like waiting for his mother-in-law to die to like get killed by something. Classic like, bit. Yeah. We love that bit. <laughs> like the, the Christian moms didn't have a problem with that, right? <laughs> no, they, they, they uh, the, the, surprisingly that was, uh, they're on board. But that, I mean, that's like, in terms of like, like hacky comedy like that is a gold standard of like you know i'm not even complaining it was fine um probably because cloris leachman is delightful yeah so they do i don't know what what's the like the and pl- plot wise like I they mean, go I mean, like, to the mountain well the biggest thing that like adds something to nicholas cage's character i guess is when they all get separated and they have to find their way forward and then the rest of the family <laughs> figures out like oh right. this is actually a good thing change is good right Guy is great and right yeah there's a big moment where they all kind of like uh get knocked down these weird tunnels um and they have to separately individually like make their way to the other end and R- guy is saying he's like it's fine like you guys can do it and uh grug nick cage is uh being like a stick in the mud about it and um they all they have kind of individual moments of problem solving and 
basically um, using higher brain function yeah to like to to intelligently get themselves out of like particularly dangerous or sticky situations yeah and it's cute and and in terms of like from like a I don't know. It's the idea of kids watching it. That's like the kind of shit where I'm like, that's good. Like yeah. it's a good message of You're just being like them to think for themselves. Yeah, think you don't like, have to be yeah. afraid of, of the unknown. You just use your brain and it's, it'll work out fine and maybe even better. And, and it's a good character beat because everybody else does it except <laughs> for Grug who ends up just sitting in the dark, like pouting both Emma Stone's character and his character are really the most complex. And I, and I thought I liked the way that that shaded his character with some complexity of like, because the, the movie doesn't, doesn't make him just like a fool for being scared and being overprotective. Like he has uh, clear, obvious reasons for being that way. And it like treats him with uh, enough respect, but you also see how it limits his, him and, uh, that I don't know. And the whole family dynamic of the way that they kind of like, uh, relate to each other and accept each other and, uh, whatever. It's like, it's good. It's heartwarming. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so they, I mean, Catherine Keener has to come and like pull him out of his little pouty hole and she's just like, Hey, like we're having fun. We all had a really good day and, uh, you can be shitty about it or not. And, uh, and then he gets his own little montage sequence where he's like, I can have ideas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> terrible ideas. I know. They're all such bad ideas. Right. Yeah. He invents like sunglasses that are made out of stone that you can't see through. And, uh, he, he has a Rasta wig for some reason. <laughs> he's just trying to be all like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm hip. Like guy, yeah. right. I'm, I'm as great as too. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, th- that's cute. And he finally, he and Guy, I forget kind of how it happens, but they end up in tar, stuck in tar together. And they get a good moment of Guy in that moment is like, hey, we're dying. Uh, guess what my history is? My whole family died in tar and uh, we're, we're going to die now. And then uh, Grog is like, oh, no, you have to have an idea. Let's have a, a, an idea together. And uh, they... Um, create a big puppet that uh, lures a saber-toothed tiger over and uh, a sexy tiger puppet <laughs> that they seduce <laughs> a, another tiger with yeah. to come over. and Which is like classic Looney Tunes gag yeah, too. It's funny, it's great. like thinking so hard, like we need an idea, we need an idea. And then that um, to them is novel because they're the first people in the world. But like to us, we've seen that in every single right. cartoon since forever. So that it's like funny when you're like, oh, that's what they land on. Well, also just like <laughs> I would, it's yeah, it's both classic, but then I'm like, if I was stuck in tar, I would not pull that. I would, that would not be my go-to. Maybe it should be. <laughs> just create a sexy puppet. Yeah. He has a line where uh, they're worried that the cat's not being lured in and he's not scared enough. And he's like, oh, well, hand me those acting sticks. And it's like Nick Cage that says this. Yeah. And he like really acts his ass off. He does. Like, yeah. It's just like him saying, hand me those acting sticks. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's like, that's his like, that's, I feel like that's Cage's catchphrase. <laughs> like that's what he's probably said to every single director since he started <laughs> acting. Is like, hand, hand me, me those, those acting, acting sticks. sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, and uh, so this all ends with this uh, pretty moving moment where they get to the mountaintop and there's a big shift, a tectonic shift. And 
you know like a literal one not like emotionally no like sorry i just want to clarify this movie is literally about pangea separating and they can't get from the one place to the other it seems and then grug is like wait i'll throw you all over like a football player and he throws everybody over the the edge but he has to sacrifice himself and he finally invents something he invents the hug and because it rhymes with grug. Because it rhymes with grug. <laughs> and he and his daughter hug. And he says, I love you. And she doesn't. And he, he's, he, but he knows. And he throws her over. And then they're sad because he's dead now. Um, but because this is not that movie, <laughs> actually. Yeah, like fade out credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Times were tough. He, <laughs> no, he goes into a cave and he draws a picture of everybody, including Guy, Ryan Reynolds, who he now likes. And he draws a picture with his caveman person stick figure hugging them all in a giant hug. And uh, then he makes friends with the saber-toothed tiger, which it turns out they're nice. Because he's a cat guy. Because he's he a says, cat person. So. And then there's other animals that there's a dog skunk pig thing that Douglas, Douglas yeah. that uh, Clark Duke's character adopts earlier or on in the movie and then it falls off a cliff. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, it, it's like a joke. And I was like, I guess that animal's dead now, but no, yeah, he finds it and he's like, okay, you're coming, you're coming. We're all getting out of here. He invents another improbably awesome, uh, way to get out, which is like, uh, I don't, I'm too tired to explain it. It's okay. There's, there's a thing with the para, the piranachetes. Yeah. 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 The piranachetes. Like he basically uses their swarm to like lift, sticks them to like a big mastodon rib cage covered in tar. And And then like hangs onto it and then they fly him over. He might lure them over with another puppet. There's a lot of puppetry. Yeah, dude, there's, there there are multiple (laughs) animal puppets in this, in this film. But, uh, the, yeah. And, and all together they make it across the, the rift before, uh, you know, falling into before the abyss. Before it becomes North America. And now, they, yeah, before it becomes North America. And it ends with the family reunited going over the mountain into the valley below, which turns out to be a tropical paradise where they live a really cool life with all their amazing pets and uh, new inventions and seemingly just alone, but really yeah. chill, chilling about as hard as you can. Yeah, I, I like that this movie does something weirdly realistic which is a weird thing to say <laughs> but like where i'm sure that you know because we're because the world we're currently living in is like so overpopulated that you know clean water will be like a a commodity uh, to be fought over in like right. 10 years but i'm sure cool. back then at this point in time i'm sure neanderthals could go like most of their lives with like maybe only seeing a couple other humans yeah, because like they're wild. just like the distance between things was so vast yeah and everyone's you know dying I mean? yeah and everyone's getting eaten by shit when they wander out right. into like open space right <laughs> so i mean yeah the crudes like really end up in a prime situation and i i gotta say it touched me just because that if i was a kid I was like, that is actually just the life I want. I want to just live on a tropical island yeah, with right. my friends and all of our cool animals that I can ride and that can <laughs> talk to me yeah. and uh, just uh, hang out. So, um, yeah, my heart was warmed and uh, and I learned not to be afraid. Yeah, I learned not to be afraid and I learned to 
have ideas in my brain. And I learned that um, this movie was uh, improbably good. I, I don't know. Like, I don't really have anything like n- more negative no. to say about it. Like it's always fun when we do movies that are like really bad because oh, yeah. then we can just rip on them. There's and, a lot to say. But this is like a this is a movie that is very pleasantly surprised me and like yeah, I'm I don't like really, mad about it. Yeah, I wish I'm, I wish it was worse. I'm literally especially for how much I was like ready to tear yeah. into it. I've been, been ready shit to tear talking into it for this months. movie for like months. Yeah. And then I watched it and I was like, oh man, I got to rethink my entire worldview about the crudes. It, it, like, it, 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 like uh, I'm not dreading the crudes too now. I'm, I'm interested in what Grug yeah. and the gang are doing. Yeah. I'm actually ready for crudes too, crude awakenings. <laughs> in that sense, it didn't live up to G-Force, which I thought would be terrible and uh, turned out was very bad. Yeah. Um, Have you seen G-Force, Kristen? Yeah. I, that one really is. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's, yeah it it's, is. I've seen Asha Boy like twice. It's yeah. Yeah, also it's not good. Uh, not very good. Well, I, I was listening to uh, the Amp Bully one you guys did. Oh. And it starts off you guys just shitting on Cruise and how you don't want to like yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> so now I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We you guys, it was delightful as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We were forced to admit that it was pretty good. Um, the worst part is probably the Owl City song that ends ends it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Owl City was, featuring was, someone named Yuna. I, I don't no, know. No, no. This, after 2013. Not that, my lane. Yeah, not I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to have a song like that at the end of your DreamWorks movie. That's yeah. that's like in the contract. Kristen, did you know that there's a Netflix 2D animation uh, series called Dawn of the Crudes? Yes. I made a note of including that, that it premiered at Berlin Ale, which is like, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award and a Golden Globe. That's right. And then it came out with Dawn of the Cruise and I wrote, people love this shit. It's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit, you came in here with an agenda. <laughs> I, was like, I know it. It's great. Um, I haven't watched the show. I think the animation's different and it's it looks re- real bad. It's yeah. really ugly. I watched a little bit of it just to get a sense of it and it's it's a big step down. Um Cage isn't even in it. No, but they have an actor. None of the actors are in it. Okay. But the guy who's doing Grug's voice sounds eerily like Cage. Dude, that is weird. It's weird. He's doing a, a Nicolas Cage impersonation oh. as, or like a Grug impersonation. Like, Wait, do, do you remember when we did the Captain Corelli episode and we had Giovanni on the show and he yeah. was telling us about how the foreign, like the guy, the guy that dubs all of Cage's uh movies in Italy has like does like a cage voice yeah. but then speaks Italian. Yes. Anyway, I think that that's crazy when you have to like impersonate a more famous actor's voice. I I mean, yeah. Like, and especially someone like Cage who has such a distinct like cadence and rhythm to his like delivery. How yeah. do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, but it's worth talking about again cuz it's so wild that there are these other this voice actors uh, in uh, all across Europe who their whole job is just being another actor. And every single time uh, Nicolas Cage gets cast in a film, there's just a bunch of and I think I said this before too, but I I want all the Cage voice actors like I want to hear their impersonations like lined up I want the French one I want the German one I want the Spanish one what a weird cottage industry (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the guy the the dude that is the like Portuguese Tom Cruise right like he he just dubs all of Tom Cruise's movies in Portuguese realize like that's my talent how do you realize that yeah (laughs) I don't know I think you're an out-of-work actor And then you eventually land this thing because somehow you can sound like a more famous actor and then you just keep getting jobs. Yeah, but yeah, if you like, if you're like someone like, um, 
uh, yeah, cage who just keeps working. If you, you land on, if you, you're that voice, like you really luck out and you're just tied to that. You're like, come on, man, just keep putting them out. But if you're like Kevin Spacey or something, you know, like oh, so the celebrity, shit. Yeah. The celebrity you know? that I would, that I was being has been me too. Yeah. They're so go- now I my career like, is yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck man. Men with, uh, with good, uh, probably a bunch of talented voice actors across Europe got laid off. <laughs> Dude, of I that. can, I can hear the men's rights activists across Twitter now talking <laughs> about like, what about the hundreds <laughs> of, you know, like actors that are employed being yeah. this other actor, like, <laughs> It's about jobs, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Don of the Crudes is uh, shitty. Let's talk a little bit about Cage. Um, how do you guys think he did in this movie? I think it's good. Like he's, uh, he's selling that like father role. I think he's a good father, which I don't normally look at that man and think that's a great dad. He has two Dude, kids. Definitely. I don't, especially in a lot of the other movies that he's been in where he has to like be a dad. He kind of does a bad job at it. He's that's not, true. He, he doesn't act I feel like his acting when it comes to having like emotional connections with family is not good, which is weird because he gets cast in those roles Maybe a lot. Maybe it's because none of them are actually in front of him. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> so he doesn't have to yeah. put on this persona of being father. Well, it's also weird because A, I think this is one of his best father roles. I yeah. agree with you. And also B, I like that he, this is also, I think, the best voiceover performance that Cage has done. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Like, he's been flat to just, like, not on the same page with everyone else and every other one. Like, Speckles was fun. It's crazy. But it was just nuts. Like, I I could tell that he wasn't trying to do well. He was just, like, doing a voice. doing the thing he wanted to do. But in this one, it was, like, he was actually acting. Yeah, he was actually acting. Like, he was actually acting, which was a change from literally, like, especially in Astro Boy, you know, oh, when yeah. like he had to be the dad to Astro Boy, right. I was just like cringing. I was like, what yeah, are you wasn't doing, good. dude? <laughs> it was just not landing. None of the actors met, like they were all doing their voiceovers independently, which is pretty common, but um, it sounded good. Like they did sound like they were interacting with each other. I thought they all, they all did a good job. Um, I, I'm going to play a little clip here of uh, Cage being interviewed about it. I think this is the right one. Hold on. Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Grug? Well, uh, he's funny because he's overprotective. Um, he takes it way too far. Um, it was a little challenging for me to play the part because he says things like, uh, new is bad, fear is good, and never not be afraid. And I don't like to live my life that way. In fact, I actively go against that. So sometimes I would cringe when I had to say those lines. He's not very smart. Uh, he's strong. He's scary to look at, but he's got a big heart, a heart of gold, and he's kind of like a big teddy bear, which is why I think kids are going to respond to him. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. That's actually like spot on. That, well, that was my thought initially, too, is I was like, it's weird to cast Nick Cage as the the character who is afraid of change and taking uh, chances and stuff because that's sort of his whole persona. You know, that's just the, I guess that's the acting that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think it was, I think it was a smart casting choice too because kind of piggybacking on what he said about him being a big teddy bear, mm-hmm. you know, he looks like imposing and, and he's kind of like a gruff, scary dude. Right. Having Cage's voice, there's something like almost, because Cage is not, his voice is not like, overly gruff or masculine or right. like tough sounding. So I think that that was a good way to kind of temper Grug being yeah. like a, a giant lunk headed, you know, linebacker. Or yeah. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. 
Uh, he says they let him improvise a lot and and play with the voice, which is interesting because it doesn't feel very improvised to me. Yeah, it doesn't. It sounds like Cage just did just spoke in his own voice in yeah. front of the mic. <laughs> um, so I don't know what the outtakes were, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Also, like he definitely didn't come into this with some weird demand that yeah he is speaking a Jamaican <laughs> accent or whatever. Like he, he <laughs> although the scene where he where he tries to have all the ideas and he's wearing the weird like uh, Ross. Rasta wig. wig. Yeah. That the voice he did for that sequence was like kind of yeah, kind of like he sort of oh, yeah. did this like weird like a surfer bro surfer type bro thing. voice and I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, that's his roots though. That's that, that's uh yeah, that's Valley Long Beach. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. That's what they gave him. I have this other clip. Uh I forget what this is, but I'm I'm just going to play it. <laughs> Rolling the dice live on air. Okay. Oh, so hold up. This is a some <laughs> weird. This is some weird junket interviewer who is uh, admitting that he wants to have sex with uh, the <laughs> Emma Stone's caveman character. So uh, keep rolling the clip. Animated character. She's an extraordinarily athletic Neanderthal. Yeah. Uh, so I was wondering, growing up, there there are a handful of uh, animated characters that I, if I, if I were going to confess, I have a little bit of a crush on. Mm. Who is that animated character that you have the biggest crush on? Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, I would say the Blue Fairy in uh, Pinocchio. Nice, going old school. I, yeah, like, I like Mulan too. <laughs> there you have oh it. My God, that's so skeezy. If you want, if you want, ever wanted to know, I like I like blondes too. <laughs> no, no, he said Mulan. Oh, Mulan. Oh, 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 he likes okay. Mulan and the Blue Fairy from Pinocchio. And um, that weird interviewer wants to fuck Eep. Um, and for for the record, uh, Emma Stone wants to fuck Jessica Rabbit. Oh, okay. Huh. Okay. That's fair. Sure. I feel like that's a, someone on Tumblr has already shipped that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess speaking of which, uh, I like with the ant bully, I tried to find like a good fan fiction of, um, Dude, don't like, even tell me that. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to find some weird, like erotic fan fiction to read about this movie. But um, I did find, I obviously found some. Well, actually, the erotic fan fiction for this, I'm sure, takes on an even darker tone because there's no, except for Guy, they're all family members. <laughs> so, like, what do you even, I, like... <laughs> I, I didn't find any, like, a, everything I found was between Eep and Guy. Okay. And uh, there was, and none of it's funny enough to read because uh, the it's... But there's not it's not as weird as the ant bully thing where you get people like shrinking and and you get like, inner species like ant orgies and <laughs> like, stuff but uh did you did you get to the end of the episode no, of the ant bully okay dave well, reads an, an some, extended excerpt from uh like erotic ant bully fanfic one of the found. finest moments of the podcast i think if i can say so but um the, the best fanfic that i found and which is pretty much the tone of all of it is uh eep keeps waking up and guy's gone she's like where's the guy and he's behind a rock and because he discovered jacking off oh <laughs> he invented it <laughs> but, but yeah that's basic that's like the thing it's like all of it is like is like guy being like let me show you a thing i invented it's called sex <laughs> it's all right. Lastly, uh, of the stuff that I have prepared um, from those same junket interviews, that that same weird guy asks everybody who would be in your kill circle. Your kill circle being. Mm. Oh, 
oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Explain it. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, like the formation that they all get into, where everybody's facing outward when there's a threat, and uh, so they can all fight. Uh, I don't know some saber tooth tiger or whatever. And Cage says his kill circle would be Joaquin Phoenix, oh, Sean Connery, and Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, all people he's worked with in some of his best films. Yeah. Being, uh, well, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, he was in 8mm with. <laughs> I guess I can't say that. But I don't, I don't know if you consider that one of his best films. Some people would, maybe. But I was like, damn, I bet Holly Hunter would be good in a kill circle. Yeah. I just, now I'm just like trying to picture this. I'm like, what does yeah. that look like? Dude, right. honestly, someone should make that movie. Yeah. Yes. Cage, Connery, Phoenix, Holly Hunter. Kill, Kill Circle, what, what movie 2020. Was, what movie was Cajun with Connery? The Rock. Oh, no shit. Oh, my God. I was thinking more obscure than that. Yeah, Yeah, no. obviously, yeah. I, wa- I want to know, though, what his experience, his interpersonal experiences with those actors were. Right. That he's like, they could kill. Yeah. <laughs> I'd trust them with my life. Yeah. All right. I, that's all I have. I mean, I, I have, like, very minor notes. I don't think I took anything that... Kristen, do you have anything you want to, that you'd like to speak on? No, I mean, I covered my notes. It's, oh, I feel like uh, Belt is underrated. The, yeah. the Belt being the sloth, that guy, Ryan Reynolds' uh, pet sloth that uh, wraps his arms around his waist and keeps his pants up. <laughs> and his biggest thing is, like, he's constantly doing, like, dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah, anytime right. anyone says, like, uh, yeah. He also plays uh, xylophone on a rib cage extremely well. So well. Um, He's talented. He also makes the uh, the puppet, the cat saber tooth puppet. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah right, he saves right. their life. Yeah. De- definitely an important. And player. also, arguably, the first pet. Mm, yeah. Right. Because yeah. they're like, why don't you eat him? And guys like, well, pets are pets are animals you don't eat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they and the like they don't and know then, about and that. And then subsequently, each of them leading up to the finale, get a pet. Each of the family members get their own pet, and they and they understand the human animal connection, which is dope. Oh, uh, this is so small, but remember that part where uh, there was giant ears of corn and then they burn and they make giant popcorn? Dude. And they, they have to don't... eat their way out of the popcorn? Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, that the whole sequence where they, the first time they see fire. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And they just keep setting other things on fire and like burning each other. Yeah. He's, it, 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 I, one of the times that I laughed was when it gets on Clark Duke's butt and... And he's like, oh, it's on me. Ow, it's biting me. And then he's like, run into that uh, tall, high, dry grass and maybe it'll go away. And, uh, and uh, it doesn't. Listener, Spoiler it does not. Spoiler alert, if you know anything about fire, <laughs> it uh, doesn't. Things only get wackier from there. Yeah. Um, I like that there is uh, this movie grapples with some pretty existential questions about what it means to exist as a human and have self-consciousness. Here we go. This is what you were talking about watching it while you were high. Yeah. Oh, I got very high before I watched it. Cause again, I was preparing for the worst, Yeah. but it also made me take some very obtuse notes. Please. Yeah. Um, so, so when, so when she goes, you know, what, why are we here? What are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. You know, when he's like, we have to stay in the cave, right. otherwise we'll get eaten. And then she goes like, this isn't living. This is just not dying. And I was like, wow, that's like, that's like really interesting. And then also, you know, the, the whole idea that in order for mankind to truly live a life, they need to go outside, man needs to go outside their comfort zone and quite literally like have ideas. Like they need to think for themselves. They need to take risks and they need to 
essentially like problem solve. And only then are you truly living a life. And I don't know. I just think that that is like not a, that's like a, that's a really heady philosophical question that like a lot of kids movies don't deal with. And the thing that I like about this movie at the end is that they don't actually, it, it doesn't land like a moral. You no, know, like it doesn't. This, this movie doesn't sound like like. Yeah, that's a, it's interesting because the whole movie. I mean, it really does pound at home. It's like it's like new is bad. No, actually, new is good. Blah blah blah. Like it, it pounds that home, and yet it doesn't ever feel moralizing or yeah. sermonizing. You know who else liked the uh, the whole message about uh, you know what is uh, about living versus uh, just staying alive? Is the Christian moms. Oh, I'm sure they did. They, they, yeah. There was some uh, Bible passage that uh, Jesus said that too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we should get some Christian moms on this uh, show to Ooh. to give us the give us the rundown. Yeah, they can come back for crudes too. Yeah, right. Oh, I had one question. In uh, the beginning of the ample thing, you guys had a friend that I guess had seen it like a ton of times for in different languages. <laughs> well, I yeah. was like, why? Why? Right? Yeah, I, yeah. D- that's that's the only person I can think of that yeah, we have to that be. we both know that would. Well, because his his job is checking uh is is checking the uh, yeah like part of his so he he works at 20th Century, and I guess Disney now. Right. But anyway, part of it is um part of his job is like going through the foreign releases of movies. And just making sure that, like, you have to separate the sound effects and the soundtrack and the dialogue into, like, separate tracks. So he goes through movies and essentially, like, makes sure that the tracks are discrete and then remixes them based on the language for, like, the region that they're getting sent out to. Gotcha. Something like that. I'm not sure exactly what's in his job description, but that is generally, like, what he spends some of his workday doing. Right. So he has seen many movies multiple Multiple times times. in multiple languages. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that makes sense to hate it. (laughs) No, he's not just, like, chilling at home, like, looking up the (laughs) Taiwanese version of, like, Aunt Bully and being like, oh, I wonder what this one, like, sounds like. (laughs) Well, coming up next... Um, we have the frozen ground, uh, with the, where Nicholas Cage teams back up with Con Air, uh, co-star John Cusack oh. in the true story of an Alaskan serial killer, that guy who would like hunt people. Oh, um, crazy. Is yeah. Cage the guy that hunts the serial? Is he like, the, I don't the, think so. Is he the serial killer? No, uh, Cusack is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Should turn. I, I know. Right. That's crazy, dude. Um, well, also it, it would. <laughs> <laughs> um, 50 Cent is in it and was one of the producers. Oh, good, good God. So, quality right there. Yeah. It's something. Dude, this is the funny <laughs> thing about doing this podcast, especially someone with such a wide berth as Cage. Yeah. You do, it gets schizophrenic going from like <laughs> movie to movie. The one, because we went from Trespass to Ghost Rider. Right. To the Croods and now yeah. to this thing. I don't even know what this guy, I don't even know what this movie is going to be. I've never heard of this movie before. I don't know. I'm ready for it. Though. Is it another direct to DVD situation? Uh, I feel like with Cusack, you could probably, you could probably put that in theaters. I believe pull. if it, if it wasn't, then it basically was. <laughs> um, but One of those that they played in a couple theaters and then, and then just. Yes, it was, it was released DVD. in very few theaters. Yeah. It says, um, but we'll get into it next time. Last piece of business. Braverman, can you give us a panther roar? Oh, God. (laughs) 
No, you did. That was great. I can't wait for it to be a part of the super cut. Cool. Thanks for doing it. Yeah.